right, welcome back to another episode of Wealthy Expat. Louis, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining. Um, Mate, my pleasure, look, Chris. Yeah, looking forward to digging into some topics with you and uh, kind of understanding what we should be looking out for in Australia at the moment, what sort of uh, investments we should be looking for and, and where, essentially. So uh, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, having watched some of your previous recent podcasts, you're, you're in the mojo at the moment. You've, you've got a groove about you, so it's good to get you on the show, mate. And uh, I'm looking forward to chatting. Mate, thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it is. A, um, we're, we're ripping and tearing on the podcast scene at the moment, you know, making big, uh, big podcast waves. But I hope our advice is... You know, is, uh, I hope my advice is always taken with a grain of salt. <laughs> we try to do our best, but uh-huh. no, exactly right. Exactly. So I guess um, just before we get started, people that are listening to Wealthy Expat, a bit of background on Louis, um, I guess I'll, let, I'll hand it over to you. And if you give us a bit of a rundown of where you started your uh, your property journey in terms of career and, and how you've got to where you are today, that'd be good for people to understand, I think. Yeah, so I started. Uh, I started my property career in, in commercial, in commercial property, yeah, specialising in industrial property. And for anyone listening in in the UK or knows the Sydney market or you know the wider New South Wales market, I was I was based and specialised in the North West and Western Sydney industrial market. So we were doing industrial assets um, right across the board, whether or not they're investments, uh, owner occupied, or, or leased. And so I, um, I cut my teeth out in out in the Western City market, and what was considered probably um, industrial uh, as an asset class is probably uh, really hot at the time, or it was coming off to be. This is probably a few years ago now, but it was coming off to be probably one of the hottest asset classes for for a while there, uh, and for really sophisticated commercial investors to look into. Yep. And I did. I really enjoyed my time there. I enjoyed. Uh, uh, the industrial scene and, and the commercial scene and, and what it brought and and it really uh, based my understanding of property drivers and based my understanding of the property markets themselves on more of a data and analytical and research-based uh, type style of investor. So I've always said from, um, uh, from day dot that my investment strategies and styles and, and my advice to, you know, people who, who want to listen – Base your investments off the uh, off the data, and and if the if the numbers make sense, then you know the, the color of the door handles don't really matter a lot to me. But in saying that, I've come to you know I've I've been surrounded by uh, a team of us who, who I've taken on more. Uh, open, uh, I've opened my mind to a lot of other styles <laughs> of investing, and and you know the actual asset itself does matter. But yeah, that's where yeah. I started, and, and I uh, I joined uh, joined the wealthy team. Um, yep. back in uh, the back end of last year. So I've been with the, the, the crew now for about eight months nice. and moved into the residential side of things now and, I, and I'm really finding my feet and enjoying it. No, it's good. It's good to see. And I guess like you were saying with the, the data and analytics and now doing the investment property, it, it all ties in very well. And it's, uh, I guess, drawing the emotion away from the transaction and making it more about the numbers. And I, I guess much like yourself, I came from a similar background. So that's what drove me to get into the investment property um, stuff and, and start working on these markets and thoroughly enjoying it so far. We're getting, getting yeah, exactly right. So it's uh, yeah, it's good being good to do. Got I think that um, yeah, I think that starting out in commercial is probably when I when I first was looking into the property world after I um, was coming to the end of my university uh, time. That commercial has probably always been the the most media driven. Uh, asset class it's always you know sophisticated investors buying commercial assets and residential exactly. property was always 
probably had its time. And now um, I really do think, uh, and I'll probably go into this a bit more later on, but the swing is probably the swing in Resi's favours, I think, happening now. Um, yeah. the, or I should say the gap's closing and, and people are more under the impression that, you know, you can get some residential property and the yields are, the yields are tightening. So the, the yields in industrial and commercial assets are really coming short at the moment and, and they're almost marrying up in some cases with some Resi property. So um, to your point, I, I started out in the commercial space, but being in the Resi space now, I've really noticed a, um, you know, the, I noticed a shift in gear almost. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like a synergy now, though. They they do, I guess, if for a sophisticated investor, it's having a variety of assets as well and, and being across your commercial, your industrial and having an understanding of that, being able to assist them with buying an investment property now, it, it all ties in quite nicely and you understand all all sides of the story in a sense. So. Yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. I think that... Um I think the the residential world was always considered a an investor for a mum and dad, like a mum and dad investor. It was it was less what what people call sophisticated or, or what it was called. Um, what it was yeah. alluded to was that the more or less the the numbers guys or the the big portfolio funds or the the real sophisticated people would invest in commercial property. And I think that's what kept out a lot of people at the same time, but also is what kept out a lot of. Uh, high-end buyers or high-end high-budget buyers from the resi space they they always steered yep. towards and now when we've on our sort of end of things doing the the research and that uh, analytics and the you know and and looking at some of the the, the best portfolios of the best working portfolios out there in the in our in our client base at the moment and, and the wider market itself I, I really i truly do believe that having a handful of, of nice working residential assets under your belt is not only just possibly the easiest form of, of to getting into the investment market, but at the same time, it's actually, you know, I think the, the people are reaping rewards, especially I know that a lot of people are probably listening in the UK at the moment and you know, yeah. not really sure how much media you guys get from, from the Australian side of things, but our, uh, we're in what's called or oh, what's considered a boom at the moment, and it's yeah. a, a long-awaited boom, and property prices are surging. So, people are um uh, are really benefiting from having these assets in their uh, in their portfolio. That's interesting. I guess touching on the the point around the boom as well, is there? We can talk about the areas and seeing where you are seeing the biggest biggest effect from these booms. But is there an area of focus at the moment that you you consider kind of number one in terms of, of being most popular and being the most active? Um, yeah, and I'd be interested to, to hear your thoughts and opinions on that. I think that in the Australian market, it's it's. I think the the suburbs, it's there seems to be trends over the. If you look at the timelines of, of what what we consider a boom period or, or the the past history, is that your real um, tier one suburbs and, and tier one can be defined in many different ways, but often not, they're going to run first. And, and especially in the Sydney market, you've got your areas like very, very world renowned Bondi, Vaucluse, or, you know, inner city Potts Point. And, and you've got these areas in, in mainly in the Eastern suburbs. And then obviously there's the North shore side of things. So on the other side of the, uh, on the other side of the bridge, you've got, you know, suburbs like Mossman, Neutral Bay and, and these areas, and they've, they've always run first. And, We've seen some some serious price growth in those assets over the probably the plus uh, past six months, okay. even to eight months. So, beginning of back into last year, coming to the new year. But I think the opportunity that I'm seeing at the moment, or I think the opportunity that I really like at the moment, is the areas that they're moving. Like they're, they're not they're not stagnant, but at the same time, I can see a lot more potential to grow. 
So, you know, we, we always hear in the media um, or you always see your, your first port of call to read data is on the internet and, and you hear these you know, property prices are zooming, New South Wales 10%, yeah. 15%. And, and you've got to be very careful when you read those things because some – some areas aren't running 10%, but I think if you pick the right area of what we're trying to do at the moment, I think these areas have still got uh, a lot of room to move. And, and so when this boom is is uh, it's still moving, and I still think it's going to move for probably the, the back end yeah. of this year, I think it'll always have a correction phase and, and a cooling off phase as such as what um as, as most you know most economic markets anyway. Definitely. But in in saying that, to answer your question, I think there is some. There are some pockets areas in in Victoria, New South Wales, Canberra, and Brisbane, uh, mainly on the east coast of Australia at the moment. That I can see moving probably eight to ten percent over the next sort of you know twelve to fourteen months. And and if it does so, that's you know your investment's going to be really putting some putting some money in your back pocket. It'll be interesting to see how it does respond once we hit the peak of this boom, you could say. But I guess for the last six, 12 months as well, there's always been that kind of stipulation in the market that we are, we were in a boom six months ago, we were in a boom 12 months ago, and it always seems to keep on running. So it's going to be, uh, it'll be interesting to see when we hit the peak. If we hit a peak, it, it seems like a market that could keep going at the moment, and it's hard to know. And I wrote an article yesterday about it, but the UK has just ended all their stamp duty holidays over here, and the market's been performing quite well this year. I think it's gone up about 10%, um, or just over 10%, and just seeing values go up massively over the last six months while people rushing in to take advantage of the stamp duty holiday before it did end. But now we're reopening borders. We're with freedom day yesterday. So now people are allowed out yeah, exactly allowed right. live again. And I think it, it's going to create a lot more activity in the market. I think you'll have overseas investment coming back in. You'll have Middle East and, and Russia and Eastern Europeans almost as well. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it responds here, but I guess it's a similar situation to Australia there in a sense, six months behind us with reopening their borders, which could happen at the end of the year. But is that going to drive? I can see that driving further activity in a sense. I think you've got China and America that, and the UK even that are still pumping money into the Australian property market. And yeah. how it will how it'll end up responding once the borders do open properly and people can then easily travel in and out, I think it'll be a, it'll be interesting to mm. see what happens. I think I've, I've, I've mentioned this before, but I think that – when in this is probably very similar to the UK at the moment because uh, or any country really this is probably possibly the only time in, in you know in in the in the world's history in the past I don't know hundred years that we could all say we've been under the same um, the same uh, how do you say it? it's we've all closed the borders and no one can come in right yeah we're all under the same climate so the property yeah. waves where we've seen have been driven by in, uh, internal uh, internal drivers, so interstate migration or people moving to different states in Australia or the UK, people moving to or in and out of London or people, but no one else could come in. So right. these property prices have been somewhat contestably um, contestably or argued that they haven't been organic because they've got a, there's been a lot of government stimulus. Yeah. But in saying that, people's confidence in the market, especially in Australia at the moment, they've realised that the property market can still move if the globe shut. And what I think is going to happen or what, what, what I 
would say is a is a very possible chance of happening is that when the when we do open up, you know, in the in the coming say six to eight months, then we see the international side of things. So we start seeing international students arrive back. We start seeing international migration come back. We start to seeing international uh, migrants seeking work in Australia, moving to Australia. So if they're coming out of the back end of a of a of a country that they, they lived in during the pandemic and that, and it wasn't handled very well and you know and they saw the starry light of Australia or the starry light of other countries and they could see that you know they could see that we, how we handled the situation and and the opportunities that present themselves I think the second wave of this I won't say I won't say it's, it's going to boom further but I think that yeah. maybe that maybe the first stage of of what we considered a boom in Australia might have been caused by government stimulus providing confidence and then now government stimulus and confidence is is wearing off and we're in a bit of a no man's land at the moment where we're going to go next and now we've got a bit more confidence coming out to the back of the you know the vaccine rollout and we sort of verge toward the end of the year we see the rest of the world opening up and then i think that third sort of wave and attack of of international uh, yeah. international migration and international demand will really push us into the next year when we when we're trying to review um, or say if we if we look in, in a year's time and, and we look back and think what were the sort of the three stages of, of this boom and if it doesn't yeah. end I don't know if it's going to end but I think it's going to yeah, exactly. be able to no. it's going to maintain its legs I think so and I guess at the same time you've got people that have bought these investments over the last twelve months that have seen incredible increases in value in their properties and will now be thinking okay that worked the first time round let's let's grow, draw some of that equity out of the property and, and go and invest in another one and I'm sure that'll start to happen potentially until or it could stay in place it could be a big driver for the next 6 12 whatever how, however long it is until borders are properly reopened mm-hmm. but i think that could be a massive contributing factor as well which would be mm-hmm. yeah good for good for the australian economy um yeah exactly and, right and what that yeah and just the results they've seen over the, since the start of the pandemic have been astounding in comparison to the rest of the world so mm-hmm. let's hope they keep it going i'm uh, quite quietly confident you could say um, I know it's a. Um, I was going to actually ask you a question. We were we were discussing on the phone yesterday the the, the size comparison of Australia's you know, Australia's yeah. continent versus uh, versus England itself, and then the UK, and then the population, um, the relevant populations. And I think that when I was looking, you know, I knew I was going to have a chat to you, and I was looking at some of the property prices in the UK and. And what you can buy, and the bang, the bang for your buck, you can get around London and East London, and and, and yeah. or Northeast London, and a few other little places that I liked when I popped over, you know, when the world was open. And it's it's incredible to think, uh, as a expat, as an Australian expat living in the UK, or maybe even an international investor, if you, if UK, you know, moving to Australia, yeah. price difference in the. So we always talk about it state to state, you know, what you can get in Brisbane versus what you can get in Sydney. Yeah. And then if you look at it just on a main scale, what you can get in Sydney compared to what you can get in London or what yeah. you can get in, you know, London versus to Brisbane, then like the, the gap is just it's massive. It's it's insane. I think, well, I live in West London. I'm in Notting Hill, so quite a nice area, quite an affluential area. And mm. I think for, you know, I think there's a massive, I, London's never going to, fail as an investment for for anyone it's it's one of those places that's going to see continuous growth i think they predict it's 9.7 percent um yeah year or something ridiculous you're doubling your value every 9.7 years and it's just there's there's constant value uh in london and i think you pay i think for somewhere you know somewhere in this area an average two-bedroom house you're looking at about 
just over a million pounds for for a two bedroom in in London. So if you equate that into dollars, you're looking at just under two million dollars for an inner city apartment, which is just insane. Jesus. But I guess from an investment standpoint, though, you're going to be getting about two thousand pounds a month, just over two thousand pounds a month from that investment. So it's still giving you similar returns, but if you can get in for a lower entry point in Australia as an expat, for example, I think the investment makes kind of more as an entry to help you get started. It makes more sense investing in the Australian market for now. But in the same breath, you could see the same returns in places such as Birmingham and Manchester and, and Liverpool and Leeds even. They're, they're going crazy. Dad's currently looking at buying an investment property up in Leeds and one in York as well. And they're coming with 10-year assured rents and uh, all sorts and 10% yields and all sorts of crazy crazy offers so mm. the market's moving quickly over here and it, it's good to see and i think you've got to be careful with some of those 10-year assured uh assured of rental course. years but i think if you've got a strong a strong developer a strong covenant and and it's a, a healthy looking project if it's part of a, a, rede- a master redevelopment or whatever it may be it'll take some of the boxes but that that market's moving and the entry point for an investment in the UK, you can, I think I mentioned it to you yesterday, but you could buy an apartment in Preston for about 70 to, to 90,000 pounds. And yeah, it's unfathomable. It's just, I think the, the mix in, in what's available in the UK is, is something that I don't see. I don't think you see in a lot of places around the world, at least in, in places like Australia and America and the UK, I think uh, it's an interesting one. It's good though. It keeps the market moving. It helps the economy. And, I think that from reading stats yesterday, there's uh, there was talk about the real estate markets put 10% of the economy's value back into it in what we lost last year. So it's uh, it's good that it's it's really contributing and helping helping support the UK market. So yeah, I think it that it's a um, Australia is always considered the little brother or sister to the UK, and you, you know we've we've got very close, um, you know, not in distance, but we've got very close relations. Uh, very similar cultures, very similar, um, you know, the way we conduct ourselves, what our what our likes and dislikes are. You know, we're very, very yeah. passionate, very passionate individuals, and I think that reflects. Yeah, you know, it's you can't really compare them to apples and oranges, but you, it's almost like we we talk about in Australia what happens in Sydney will happen in Melbourne, and then it'll happen in Brisbane on like a, on a delayed timeline. Yeah. Almost. and I, I guess you can put that down to. You guess you can put it down to you know population, employment, opportunity, and key. You can you can break it down to why these you know why these trends happen. But yeah. I would say that we're almost on a trajectory as to a UK market, or you know yeah. people are people are becoming more and more inclined in Sydney that the prices are so expensive that you just can't you simply can't afford all these you know what we considered once was the Australian dream. You know the you know, the acre block of land with a, with a house on it in, in close proximity to the CBD is just, you know, you, you can't, it's, it's not affordable. So yeah. I think that the more we, you know, progress into the future, I think that we're going to take on more of a style of um, a UK investor and that UK investor is simply happy with an inner city apartment or an inner city terrace. It's, it's just, it's what they're known. It's just what they're known. And, and it's almost, it's not a stigma now. There's a very, there's a very, no. Uh, apart, anti-apartment stigma in Sydney at the moment or yeah. anti-apartment stigma in, in any sort of capital city. It's very – we've still got a lot of land to eat up. We've got a land to buy. So people are going to keep buying it, you know. I guess that can move us on to the next topic around uh, the house versus apartment kind of topic and, and what you're seeing. Where is there more – has there been more demand coming for apartments recently? I know the house and land pack, or house and land lots are getting snatched up rather quickly. It's, it's you know, stock is quite – tight you could say um and 
and apartments are are popping up more more prominent prominently i believe so is have you seen a have you seen a shift of what's what's really been uh, happening recently i think that on on my point i think the uh, 80% of the population we're still it, it's still taking a lot of time to come to terms with that and an apartment developers not only not only affordable it's always apartments are always considered affordable but it was considered you know the uh, the shittier investment, to say the least. But now, I think that people can see the the apartment space becoming. Uh, I, I would never. I think that there there are two investments in their own to to start off. Yeah. The two investments in their own right. I think we had a debate in the office the other day. Would you rather invest in a five hundred k apartment, you know, ten k's out of Sydney CBD, ten k's out of the Melbourne CBD, or do you rather go forty five k's out of the CBD and get a you know a house land pack? You can't really do that in Sydney anymore, but you get it. We'll go to Melbourne or go you know thirty five forty k's out of the CBD and get a house land pack. Yeah. And then I think they have they have positive and negatives of both. I think that there is more not there is more not there is a more demand for apartments in Sydney or the capital cities at the moment or Australia as a whole. I think that there is more of a educated opinion and response from buyers now that apartments are really good to diversify portfolios and also uh, provide opportunities for first-time investors to get into the market because I think that just taking for example we look at the Canberra market and the Canberra market is, is something that I'm um no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say passionate about, but I've got a strong baby. opinion about the Canberra. <laughs> yeah, the Canberra market is a market that is full. Uh, it's got it has got the drivers to assure you that it is going to play catch up, and the, and this catch up, what I talk about is that there is a really vast difference between the the housing pricing uh, in Canberra and the apartment space, and I think that Canberra is going to play a lot of catch up games. So talking about apartments, for example. You know, you can get into Canberra at the moment with a 5% deposit on exchange and 5% settlement, meaning that you can pay a 5% deposit, might be of a 500 grand unit, be, you know, what's that, 25 grand? Yeah. And then in, you know, and then in a year's time, once your apartment is developed, you, you know, you finalize with another 25 grand. I think that's a fantastic opportunity for a first time investor to get into uh, a really nice development. And it's got really good drivers. The Canberra economy is brilliant. The, the yeah. market itself with employment growth, population growth, it's actually the most, it's the fastest growing population uh, capital or capital city in Australia at the moment. So people are flooding there and it's got Australia's number one university. So Canberra University to what people will disagree with is actually outranked Sydney University right. uh, as the number one Australian uni. So anyway, I'm only going top of line, but to answer your <laughs> question, to answer your question, I think that there are opportunities that present themselves both in the in the in the land space, and obviously getting a, a chunk of land with a house on it is is t- tested uh, is taking the test of time to realize that, or taking the test of time that it will improve uh, quicker. Yeah. It'll you know you're going to be able to build some equity, you get a piece of land, and you're not getting airspace uh, as what an apartment is really. But to say that, I think there are some some apartment options at the moment that can that can go punch for punch with some with some housing options out there. Okay, interesting. And I guess just to give some of the listeners maybe an example of, of something that we have in Canberra, what would you be looking, say we say you had a, about $600,000 budget, um, what would you be looking at in, in Canberra? What could you get for your money, essentially? 
Six hundred grand will get you um, will get you ten k's out of the CBD direct access via public transport. It will get you two or three beds, two bath, two car spots. It'll get you northeast facing with a five percent deposit. You need thirty grand thirty grand to get in. Shake hands, sign the contract, and then you know I'll I'll talk to you later on in eight months when you got your property keys. And to see something like that happen, you know, which is which is five hundred meters away from the university. Yeah, on level eight to ten of a development that's got a you know a pool, a gym, and amenity to um, uh, uh, to entertain a, a tenant. I think that um, the op- it shouldn't it shouldn't be um, it shouldn't be frowned upon or it shouldn't be sort of brushed over too lightly. I think that okay. if you compare what you can get in for six hundred grand in Sydney, yeah, uh, at the moment it is a far less of quality, far less of ability to get in, and also you'll be you'll be competing with uh, a vast bunch of buyers who are competitive in a city market, the, the premier market as they call it, and often or not you'll be paying overs for something that you shouldn't have, and that's probably the one thing yeah. as in, in investors should be should be looking out for. Interesting, and I guess if we were to think about Sydney and and price points in Sydney, what I guess just as an entry level investment, something that we might be working on at the moment, what would what would you be looking at? What would you suggest, and and what sort of price point on an entry process what you know i guess it's not the same as Canberra. it's not such a sim as easy a process um there's going to be exactly right. more savings so what would you what would you recommend from that standpoint if you're looking to get into the sydney market and we will put a we'll put the same figure on it let's go let's let's push the budget up to 700 600 is is tough 700 grand um for seven hundred thousand dollars, as a as an investor, you the first point, the first uh, first note you need to make is that you're going to have to be happy with something either far away from the CBD or an apartment. It, it's simple as that. You're not getting you're not getting a house in the in the city ring or you know a wider city ring for under a million dollars. Yeah. Now. In investor looking to the Sydney market, you're going to pay you're going to pay a ten percent deposit minimum. You know, depending on on your relationships, but it, it, what we see as as competitive as it is, a developer's not not going to take anything below a ten percent deposit to ex, to exchange contracts. Once you pay a ten percent deposit, you're going to be then looking at stamp duty payable within three months. So that stamp duty, actually, I believe it's shorter than three months. I, I'll confirm on that. But your stamp duty is an upfront cost payable in three months. In in states like Victoria, Canberra, or I believe Brisbane as well, you pay your stamp yeah. duty on settlement, right? So that's nothing to worry about. But that's not to say, I, I mean, I've lived and breathed and, and grew up in Sydney, so I really do believe in the Sydney market. Like a, the Sydney market is, is probably the, if I know it's the, it is the best in the country, but yeah. to say that you are like coupled with the, exactly right. And, and, it, will, and it will always be. It, it's tough to compete yeah. with not only the population, but the employment opportunity, but the belief in the Sydney, the belief in the Sydney market really pushes it. And we've seen that happen over the past sort of eight months. People, live or breathe Sydney and, and they don't really go elsewhere. So you, you're competing when you're buying stock as an investor with owner-occupiers and owner-occupiers will will go that little further and beyond to, to pay for that piece of real estate that they like uh, because they're going to live in it, you know, and, and it's not something that you can you can be paying overs for. But to say what you said, if I was looking to invest, uh, to invest in Sydney, yeah, I would look, I would look for – as a first-time investor, I wouldn't look to overcapitalize. I would look for an apartment that's, you know, an apartment or townhouse yeah. that's got 
great connectivity to the CBD. So, you know, search for a train line that takes you straight, direct access straight to straight to Sydney CBD. Yeah. I'll then look at, um, if possible, getting into a, a boutique space with, with not a lot of development happening around it. Like, for example, there's an area in South Sydney at the moment which you can – which you can have a look at that we really like, an area called Bexley. It's about, you know, 10 to 15K, 10 to 12Ks out of the CBD. Has really good public transport access, uh, a train line straight to the Sydney CBD, but you can get in for your mid-sixes for a two better. Now, to say that, it probably gives you an example. Bexley is a is an up-and-coming area. It's well-established, don't get me wrong. It's yeah. been well-established for, 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 you know, tens of years. But in saying that, it's hasn't really had that gentrification as your – if you're familiar with the Sydney market, it's someone who's listening, not like your, your Surrey Hills to your Redferns, to your Marrickfields, to your Erskinevilles, you, you head towards Sydney South and you can feel it happening. Like you can drive the streets and feel like there's a change, but there isn't much belief there yet. And I think it provides a really good opportunity to get into something, to get one into the Sydney market. Yeah. Uh, two, you've put in the door to the property market itself. If you die, you know, be all end all in Sydney. And also three, you're not overcapitalizing on something that's, that's going to, you know, really push you to the to your brink for your budget. And if I if if you didn't like the apartment space, well, then you've got to you've got to take a deep breath and, and start travelling, you know, 35, 40 k's outside the CBD. Yeah, definitely. And I guess, and then there's potential to explore uh, Victoria. I guess, in a sense, it. I mean, Victoria I mean, if I was, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> if you're going to take my advice, if you're going to take my advice, it would be. Um, I took a word from advice with Tiffy, uh, and Tiffy's been on the podcast before, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the almighty Tiff. Yeah, she's, yeah. A, she's a, an absolute world of wisdom. And she told yeah. me uh, yeah, only today or yesterday, she goes, buy uh, buy what no one else is buying. So if everyone, if the Sydney market's hot and the Sydney market's doing this, she goes, go buy in Melbourne, you know? And I think that's a really good tip. It, it they is. always say, you know, buy buy low, sell high, or buy what everyone yeah. else is selling. So Yeah, what's the same? Don't chase the the crowd or the herd or whatever it is. Exactly right. So I think that if I was to hear someone tell me they they had a, a flip of a coin, they didn't really mind going into state, I, I yeah. do see there being far more, um, far more, uh, not just affordable, but uh, stacked up investments and qualified investments in, in interstate um, that provide not just only the same amount of returns, but possibly more capital growth and more potential. But you're only spending, you know, your four fifties to five fifty. Yeah, yes, it's a, a definitely more affordable price point. Then there's the option to to potentially buy two before you know it. You're you're a property mo. You got a you got a exactly, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, yeah, you're opening a hotel business. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and buying commercial property again. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. And you're looking at the industrial market. <laughs> it's uh, it's good to know. I guess um, I guess one last question that I'd like to ask: if there was one favorite piece of stock, I guess we just touched on all the stock, and you explained your soft point towards Canberra. But if there was a favorite piece of stock that we have on the books at the moment. What would that be for you that you'd like to go and buy all of it if you could? If I could, oh, jeez, oh, um, on the spot. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll give you three options. Right. Three yeah. options. I think number one. Let's put it. Let's put a budget on it. Six fifty. Yep. Six hundred grand. Six hundred grand. Uh, number one. I would buy a piece of land in Victoria with a brand new house on it for sure. I, I've tossed and turned over this. 
You can get in for a brand a, a brand spanking new house with a with a with a nice not 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 huge land content for, for a first time investor. You know, three hundred to three hundred fifty square meters, uh, a brand new house, thirty five minutes out of the out of the Victorian CBD. You've already got a train line access. The government's committed to to billion over forty billion dollars of infrastructure connecting Massive. the outer suburbs of of the Melbourne CBD with the new airport rail link in a well-established community that's got recreational facilities, it's got educational facilities, it's already got, uh, it's got already committed, you know, primary high school with already a university there. It's got the amenity already embedded into a community hub with access to a train line and you're getting a piece of land, 300, 350 square metres for 500 grand. To me, that is right there. It is a no-brainer if you were to get, if you wanted to get into the space as a as a first-time investor. And then if you look at, we had a client of ours who, who bought up a lot, and they this was their this was their sixth property, uh, you know, placing. So it's not yeah. just for your first-time investors, but at the same time, I, I do see a really really valuable opportunity getting into this piece of property. And and please, if you want yeah. some, you know, you want any more details about it, let's know. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds uh, sounds like a good one. I think Victoria is going to be an interesting. Those areas just outside of Melbourne and having that connectivity through the new transport links that are going in, and finally linking a train line to oh my to the god, airport. don't have to get an Every Uber time. out of there. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> an Uber or a no, bus. No, 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 it, no. it was always a always a hassle. So that'll be, um, I think, yeah, a lot of areas around the outside of Melbourne and even down down towards Cranbourne and stuff, I think you'll uh, you'll start to see the, the peninsula as well. There, Some things will change. I think uh, we'll start to see an influx of activity down there. So, uh, No, 100%. I, I think that if you just look at it from a geographical sense, like if you look at Sydney and, and you put Sydney to if – you, if you're looking right on a map and you put Sydney, it could yeah. have only grown – you know, it could have only gone, Sydney was here, it could only go west or it could go, you know, south and then everything has to push inward, right, to get, a, yep. you know, further away from the beach is whatever, um, is where our, is where our for most of exactly. our CBD is essentially located, you know, about, you know, 15, 20 minutes outside of Bondi. Now, if you look at Melbourne geographically as a CBD, it, it's it's at the bottom of the peninsula. So you're going to, the, the property ring that goes around. So there's there's been a lot of opportunity at the moment to not have to go, further and further and further away from a CBD for affordability. There's lots of pockets that were, that were really sort of coming to its own and they're getting eaten up really quickly. So if you look at the, the Melbourne outskirts now and, you know, 10, 15 Ks out of Melbourne, which once was a distance for, for Melbourneites, so that once was a, you know, you're not living yeah. closer to Melbourne CBD. Now, yeah, now it's, you know, moving and moving and moving. We're seeing amazing developments in Mill Park to Melbourne's north and we're seeing fantastic developments down in Wyndham Vale in, in Melbourne's yeah. southwest. And, these areas are uh, are still not just only affordable, but you you haven't got that you haven't got that journey of, of fifty minutes to an hour to a CBD. You're still thirty five minutes, you know, via via a car or forty minutes on a train. So, yeah, that's not far at all. When you put it in terms of uh, London transport, that's easy. That's I do that aptly every day. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think yeah, that's something you can live with. So. It'll be yeah, it'll be good to see how it how it does evolve and expand out of Melbourne, but definitely plenty of potential there. I guess yeah. to wrap it up, let's as uh, as this podcast we always do, we uh, we get the guests to give their perception on what wealth means to you, or what a wealthy lifestyle means to you. Um, I guess mm. we'll, we'll bring in some some tips of how you think uh, you should you know start your journey, but whatever it may be, uh, what is your approach to to that sort of topic? Okay, 
wealth is, of course, happiness. Yep. Um, wealth, to me, I reckon it is uh, financial freedom, not having, not having to do something that you don't want to do every day for the rest of your life. And also, you know, my personally is is to you know be able to provide for a future family if there may be one, or you know, yeah. give um you know mum and dad funded my upbringing and get, you know put me in school and, and whatnot, and you know until I was uh, old enough to pay it for my pay for myself. So yeah. you know the back end of their you know the back end of their time after they've retired, I'd love to be able to fund their uh, whatever they need and need and want, even though you know I'd like to do that for a lot of people. But that's what that's what my <laughs> Top of the line okay. wealth is I, if I had a tip, yep. Uh, and and investors, uh, expat investors overseas. If you grew up in Australia and you know Australia well, uh, investors in Australia and, and you're living here currently and you're thinking about buying property, yep. I would take. Uh, I think this generation is uh, the you know instant gratification. I'll take that from Sam Assad. He he, <laughs> he um, always yeah harps on that about me and my generation, but instant gratification. So you think you're gonna buy something and it's gonna be, you know, diamonds and gold uh, yeah. from the minute you buy it and, and it to an improve, you know, for for a year's time. But in saying that, I think if you take I think one tip I've learned over the past 12 months and and something that I've seen where the most investors win and, and yeah. the most investors reap the most rewards is they take the ego out of it. They invest in a, in a piece of real estate that's not, uh, you know, glitter and gold and or, or made of diamonds. It's it's a piece of uh, a property that, that may be on paper or maybe to their friends and family, you know, not glamorous, but at the same time it's, you know, the, with the end goal in mind of building a portfolio and buying that. You know, forever home. I think that taking the ego out of it and making sure the numbers uh, align correctly, and then I reckon you've got a pretty red hot chance at uh, making a, an investment that's going to work. I think that's a great point. I think it is. I think it has a lot to do with uh, with the ego, the emotion, and and dragging too many opinions into it as well. Just yeah, exactly right. And, and if the numbers make sense for an investment, and the location makes sense, and and you can see the future potential in the area, then why not? Take the risk Man, and a bit of yeah, a bit of hope and a bit of belief, and um, exactly you, you should have a Reap no. Reward. But you're exactly right. You're exactly right. I think that um, I think that there is a there are some investments now that are you know everyone talks about the the Sydney market is you you can't afford it anymore. But I think there's definitely affordability. It's just that you know you got to poke your nose around and search a little harder. Searching yeah areas that you wouldn't have initially considered at the start. You could say most definitely pushing out. Well, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Louis, it's been great to have you on the show. Really appreciated it. Um, been a good, good chat. So, hope everyone listening's uh, enjoyed it, got some value out of it. And if you uh, have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Louis and I. We're always more to more than happy to help and, and have a chat. So, uh, look forward to the next one. And, and thank you again, Louis. We'll speak soon. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much, my man.